On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Sidetracks, the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and whether it's worth your time. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. It is season five-ish because we're doing sidetracks before we're doing our first full episode. So hi, I'm Katie. Hi, and hi there, I'm Brittany. This is our first episode back since December, mid-December. So how are you doing? It is actually, it actually snowed in Alabama, so it's freezing right now. I know, it's it's like, it's snow, but just so you know, snow in Alabama is not like pretty fluffy snow, it's like ice and mud. No one, the the high's been like 24, um, and no one could drive to work today because the roads were icy, um, and I guess some people tried and maybe they succeeded, but I, my boss luckily was like, don't risk your life, it's gonna be okay, because everyone else is gonna be frozen in, in their house anyway, so it wasn't like we were gonna have a crazy busy day, thank God. So I stayed in, and I am under a blanket with fuzzy slippers on right now. How about you, Brett? Yeah, so uh, basically the same thing where it was like we're, you know, originally in the owners of our company. I work at like a, um, I work at a family business owned by two brothers. So like originally they were like, let's see how it's at eight o'clock. And then at eight o'clock, they're like, y'all just stay home. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> I've been hanging out with my, my kiddos all day and Taylor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was editing some pictures and I ended up watching a movie. So it's been a pretty low key day. I cannot complain. So well, yeah, yeah, I watched, I watched a movie today so we can talk talk about it today and then for tonight and then yeah I pretty much just spent all day Gizmo following me around the house and then he got up he went to play when I sat down to record I was like buddy I've been playing with you all day jeez he didn't love the snow but he didn't hate it like he didn't mind the falling snow but he did not like the cold sensation on his little feet even though he had a sweater and a coat on uh, not a fan of the cold ever. So he's been in little sweaters for days. Uh, <laughs> and on a, you know, I have like a heated blanket in my bed. And so he always sleeps on that. So he was cuddling up when we watched a movie. Um, but yeah, so we'll have a, a, a full episode next week. But we just decided to do like a soft launch because it's like a catch-up episode because we watched a bunch of stuff over the holiday break. I'm not going to talk about any of the, like, the Christmas movies I watched because, like, you know, Christmas is over at this point. But, well, not according to my living room because my Christmas stuff is still up. But that's because I take forever to take them down. But uh, we watched a I think we both watched a lot of stuff. I feel like I watched a lot of Great British Bake Off. Uh, and therefore didn't watch a ton of movies until this week, but, um, what did, what do you want to talk about first, Brett? Okay, I figured if you don't hate me too much, I figured what I would do 
is offer you to to see what you're most interested in me talking about or having a conversation or if we overlap. Um, <laughs> Katie knows, Ryan knows, I'm a little bit of a award season nut. Yes. Um, so anything that had a remote chance of being nominated for Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, the Academy Awards, I uh, kind of tuned in and watched. So I've watched a shit ton of stuff. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to work backwards real quick, guys, and just uh, tell you what I watched because obviously we do not have enough time to watch, to talk about all these movies. Right. Um, so bear with me very quickly as I pull my list up. So... <laughs> Okay, so starting today, I actually watched Anatomy of a Fall. I haven't watched it yet, but I will be watching it this week. Yes, and then we... Okay, so we'll save that for the next sidetracks. Yeah. Uh, I watched the Wes Anderson short star on Netflix, which is oh! the Rat Catcher. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to the watch rat- them yet, but, like, I will be watching them. What did you think yes. about them? okay. Uh, I I really enjoyed them. So the wonderful the wonderful story of Henry Sugar actually mm-hmm. made the shortlist for uh, best short film for the Yay! Oscars. So yep. So the if you guys are like I don't know which one to start with, watch the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. It is forty minutes long, so it's the longest of the four of them. Uh, my personal favorite would probably be Poison, though. I think Poison mm. was 16 minutes, maybe. It was either 13 or 16 minutes. Okay. So, yeah, they're really easy. It's like watching an episode of a sitcom, but mm-hmm. they're they're very, they're very based on Rodell's short stories. So, yeah. you know, this isn't the first Rodell adaptations. What's did he did? Uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Yeah. Um, but they use the same actors. They have, like, Benedict Cumberbatch and Deb Patel. And um, the sets Both are very excellent, practical. Excellent actors. Yes, yes. Yes, um, they're very they're very theatrical. So if you're watching them, they're very much like the way he moves the sets around and stuff. They're very it's just brilliant. Um, it's really really cool, and they narrate the stories. So it's also for me, it was kind of very ASMR listening mm. to them kind of narrate the stories as they're moving through the stories. Um, hmm. The most depressing one is the Swan. Uh, okay. It's like 17 minutes long. It made me very fucking sad. There is animal abuse that does happen. Um, and that one, so be warned. Um, and then the Rat Catcher is almost like a horror film. It's very short, but it's the way it's like filmed. It's like a little bit scary at points. Um, yeah. So that one was fun too. So yeah, I, I recommend them all. But if you you guys are looking out for the award circuit, definitely start with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Yeah. Um, but moving down the list, uh, Society of the Snow. I have not watched that yet, but I've been oh, listening. Okay, you gotta watch it. Well, I've been listening to. It last podcast on the left covered the actual story and so i haven't like been you know it's a lot of cannibalism and freezing so i will watch it but i was like i i need to not focus on that this week (laughs) i i will say this so i've been i've been following this movie for about a year now because uh you guys know i love yellow jackets and yellow jackets is partially inspired by this story Yeah, yeah, yeah um and it is so. Uh, J. A. Biona did he was the director who did this movie. He is, his directorial mm-hmm. debut was The Orphanage, which we covered on the podcast. Yeah. I loved it, Katie. I know you didn't love it as much. No, no, um, I loved it. I just hated the ending. <laughs> yes, you hate. I will yeah, recommend well, it to yeah. people. I just, I personally hated the ending, but the rest of the movie is fantastic. It, he he knows how to build tension. That's he something does. he's very good at. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he did. He did the impossible with Nomi Watts, and I I yeah. saw that in theaters and cried my way through it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, this Isn't movie. Really that sad? What is the impossible really that sad? I have not watched the impossible. Yeah, so you know it's 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 based on the tsunami that happened, and it yeah. really is. I mean, it's very very harrowing to see what those people survived through in the aftermath. And then you watch this movie, and you're like, oh fuck! It's you, it's also very very similar. It's a disaster film. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I've been dying to talk with someone more in depth about this movie. And everyone I've talked to is like, that's depressing. I'm not going to watch it. I'm like, okay, fair. I will watch um, it. I just listened to a, like a three-part podcast about it. And I was like, yeah, why take a little mental break? And they did it because the movie was coming out and because they were yeah. like, and the movie, a lot of the survivors had input on the movie and it is told through, well, I guess it's a historical thing, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. spoil it, but I do, well, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but one of the main people that the, the story follows or who narrates it, I think, is someone who did not survive but survived that's almost true. to rescue, which I was like, that's... And I think... So I was reading an article about it, and they... The survivors were, like, very supportive of this film because it told more stories of the people who didn't survive, and they were, you know... I think a lot of the people who didn't survive didn't get as much of attention as the survivors did. So I think that's a really positive for this movie. So you should go watch it if you're at all curious about um what do we call that disaster? Uh so it's the they call it the uh, miracle of the San Andres, right? The miracle yeah. of the San Andres or it's the I forgot what the flight was called, the actual flight that crashed. But I remember it's, it's it, the Chilean rugby team, yeah, right? Yeah. It happened. Yeah, and it happened October 13th? It was on Friday the 13th that the plane actually went down. Because that was, like, like not in the movie, but they actually said in real life they were joking about, like, flying out on Friday the 13th. And we just passed the 50th anniversary of the crash. Um, So, yeah, yeah. basically a Chilean rugby team and their family and friends were on a plane, and it crashed in the the Andes Mountains. Andes, right? Yeah, in the Andes Yeah, mountains. Andes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, or they were, I don't remember if the team was Chilean or if it just happened in Chile. Right. Oh, no, they were yeah, Argentinian, yeah. right? And it happened yeah, in Chile? Yeah, and they, and they were going into Chile, I think, to, yes, to do a happened. competition. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But they were going no, to Chile sorry. for this thing and for, a, a, like, a tournament and, like, their plane crashed. And, um, unfortunately, and it was snowing, and unfortunately, um... To survive, the food obviously eventually ran out, and to survive, they did have to... They didn't kill anybody, but they did have to partake in some light cannibalism. Sorry, that sounds terrible. But because they had to survive. I don't blame... I honestly, honestly don't blame them, because it's like you said, they didn't kill anybody. So it was after... And basically, they made the agreement. So like when more and more people were were alive, they were like, if something happens to me, please use my body. And it's actually, this is true. This really did happen. There was a note that was passed that was like, um, there's no greater love than a man who will lay down his life for his friends, which I'm paraphrasing a biblical quote. It's an actual quote from the Bible. But they were very, they were raised Catholic. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. So all these survivors were very religious. So it wasn't like a light choice for them to come by. Uruguayan, sorry. Yeah. It was a Uruguayan team going to Chile. So sorry. Yes. (laughs) But, um, 
But yeah, I, I will say this, this movie, and I knew everything going into it because I had read very extensively about this and the survivors. So I, I knew the outcome mm-hmm. and everything. And I knew I knew who died and I knew the very awful ways some of them had died. Um, the reaction was so visceral for me. I could not get warm after watching Aww. it. I stayed cold all for the night and did not sleep well and woke up the next day and still felt like a chill in my bones after watching this movie. Um, I think it had such like a deeply unsettling effect. And I'm very, very glad there were survivors and that um, they're very, they're just like the time they spent in the mountains is not magical per se, but it's almost like there's something mystic about it because they're like, it was beautiful. Like it was like devastating and there was no life, but there was like a beauty you really can't comprehend. Um, so yeah, I think it's one of those movies that people should watch. It's definitely a watch once and never watch again type movie. Um, but yeah, it, it's also been shortlisted for uh, Best International, and I really do think it's going to possibly be one of the five that competes for International. I, I don't think it's going to win, but I think it's I think it's definitely going to go on to the final five, in my opinion. I think it will. Yeah, it's and yes, yeah, Yellow but, Jackets. If you, if you know anything about the Andes Crash, nineteen seventy two Andes Crash. Um, <laughs> if you started watching Yellow Jackets, you'd be like, oh, I get what this is. Um, Mm -hmm. which I still need to finish Yellow Jackets. I need to catch up. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really good. And, or it is really, it's, it sounds really good. Sorry. It is a good movie. It is a good movie. And I know you're, I know it's historical, but I also know you're planning to watch it. So I don't want to like ruin any specific beats for anyone out there. But if you guys do watch it and you want to talk to me about it, uh, please feel free to. I would love to talk about it. So, (laughs) But making my way just real quick, uh, yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon Still is not now streaming. It. Well, where's okay, it streaming? Okay, it's okay. It's on. Um, it's on Apple. Scott and I wanted to go see it in theaters and didn't make it out in theaters, so I will make a note it, of it and watch it. Please do, because that's another. I, I will wait to talk about it then, because then we can talk about it together. Yeah. We can both share our reactions. Uh, we saw Poor Things in theaters. Oh yeah, did you like it? Uh. uh I am actually one of the rare people who I it, I did not hate I did not hate it, but I Emma's Emma's great in it. Like I can't deny I cannot deny her as an actress. She's wonderful. She gives a very physical and body performance. She does. She's naked over half the film. I have no issue with sexuality, nudity in the movie. Um. Like I said, she's phenomenal. She gives a very embodied, very physical performance, and mm-hmm. she's great. Um, I feel like it's a, you can tell it's a feminist piece written by a man. And uh, I don't want to spoil much more so than that. So maybe um, your ghosts should maybe stick to stories not as feminist i don't know i i still haven't gone to see the favorite but isn't the favorite also a bit of a feminist film well i I guess maybe it's just more female characters yeah it's so it so i think the difference with like the favorite is like so yes the favorite is very female driven and it's basically revolves about around three female leads but this is definitely this movie is more about bella's journey and bella's uh kind of like sexual awakening is a big part of that isn't she also uh, basically frankenstein's creation 
She is. So yeah, yeah, very so very, very loosely, it's kind of like a Frankenstein story. And you find out very early in the film, and when I say early, I say within the 15 minutes, because you see Bella's, you see who Bella was commit suicide in the opening scene in the movie. That's the opening uh, scene in the movie. Um, and then 15 minutes later, after Bella's kind of like walking around and she has like these very jerky kind of like movements, it's like obviously she's very like much like a toddler. Like she has her sea legs, she's learning to walk. It's like that's when William Defoe's character, the creator, is kind of like, you know, yeah, I, I dug her out of the river and she was dead, but the fetus inside her was alive. So I put the oh. baby, her, the, the, the daughter's brain in the mother's body. Um, so essentially you have this fully formed woman with like this infant's brain. Um, oh. But the sex scenes, and there's a few of them that are very much, uh, it's very male gazing. why would there be sex scenes if like, it's a baby brain in there? Uh, so that's where the controversy of the movie comes in. So early on, Bella learns to masturbate in the film. And she masturbates to like a piece of fruit and she has no kind of um, guilt about it. So she's like trying to tell everyone, she's like, look, I do this thing and it feels good. It feels good. And so <laughs> I think the idea was that it's, it's how like this, this unbrush, like almost like how someone with a clean, like a clean palate would uh, uh, approach sexuality, right? Like there's no guilt, there's no shame there. Which is, and so there's no ah, guilt. Okay, yeah. so maybe he's trying yeah. to say, something about the way that women are made to feel guilty about sexuality because of society and Mm -hmm. if you took that away he does a lot of like society sucks yeah and let me explore the ways it does so maybe i don't don't, know i haven't seen it yet so i don't necessarily mind that aspect of it but when you watch the sex scenes and especially some of the later sex scenes in the movie they feel very geared to towards uh, the male gaze is it very handmaiden yes ah uh, so well intentioned but maybe a little clumsy on the dismount yeah and that's that's what yeah i would say so i think there i think there's some good layer ideas in there the other thing that kind of bothers me is on her journey bella seems to learn other than Spoiler, she ends up later in, as a sex worker. Um, mm-hmm. But it feels like a lot of her journey, she learns from men more than women. And I guess mm-hmm. maybe that's also saying, oh, it's the, it's the times because it's like set in like almost like a futuristic but also Victorian type era. So it's a very interesting movie. And I think there is a lot to discuss. The flip side of this, and this is just me doing some research. So the novel, the movie is based on a novel who's written by that was written by a Scottish author, and in the novel, Glasgow is like very uh, prominent. Like Scotland's mm-hmm. a big, big part in the novel, and yet they cut Scotland completely out of the movie. Hmm. Um, so that kind of makes me feel kind of weird too. Um, so I don't know. Is is the book written by a female or male presenting person? <laughs> So it's actually written by a male author, but what's oh. interesting is that my understanding, and I haven't got my hands on the book, I'm hoping to very soon, is that there are chapters written by Bella where she contests a lot of what the male oh. writer is writing. So it's like you get Bella's point of view and she oh. contests that like a lot of the things that happen aren't true. And then it turns out it seems like the movie is written entirely by that male narrative in the novel. Huh. Is my understanding. Interesting. Well, that's, Yeah, very, I very interesting. 
I still want to see it. I don't know if I would want to see it enough to go out to theaters. Because, like, I love mm-hmm. Yorgos Lanthimos. Because it is Yorgos Lanthimos, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I love him. Um, I do. Even though Dogtooth completely fucked me up and traumatized me. I love The Lobster. And I loved The uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. And um, I really need to see The Favorite. But, like, I do really like him as a director. Um, but he also does things that are, like, very shocking and distasteful, I would say. But the way he frames the way that his characters talk in that rhythmic pattern usually affords you, like, it's almost like putting a glass between you and the situation so you can be a little more removed emotionally so you can kind of voyeuristically watch these crazy, shocking things happen. Um, so I wonder if that's why he felt more unabashed to be, like... Because, I mean, think about Dogtooth, the way, like, you're seeing these people, like, get abused physically, mentally, yeah. sexually by their parents. And you're, like... And and it's unapologetic because the situation is terrible because if you did do that to someone, it would fuck them up, seriously. So maybe that's why. Because he didn't really, like, there's not really, like, a happy ending to Dogtooth. It's very, like, like on a cliffhanger of, you know, what the fuck's going to happen. So maybe that's why. But I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to defend it too hard. But I will say he yeah. is that person who likes to do things that are, like, Killing of a Sacred Deer is so depressing and so perverse uh, in parts. And just really, it's very depressing. But it is, like, it is a really good movie, and I genuinely like it a lot. I think the the Lobster is probably my favorite of his that I've seen, because it's it's a little funnier than all the other ones. And Poor Things seems to be, like, more of an absurdist comedy than a yeah, drama. I'm- I will say it's very, it's almost like what I love about Yorgos is that he creates these worlds that feel very, very comparable to our worlds, but you can tell they're not. Yeah. Like, you know, so like with poor things, like it's very, it's like very futuristic in some ways, but then it's also like the fashion stuff is very Victorian, but then there's like animals walking around. So there's like a dog's head on chicken's body. Interesting. Um, And these are, these are just things that you accept that are a part of this world. So, um. I, I don't want to say like it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think there's a lot of disgust. I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in it. But it's very interesting that this is one of like again and again you see this on like some of the best movies of the year list. Yeah. Um and I'll be honest, at the beginning of December, I watched May December, and <gasps> May December is probably like okay. one of my favorite okay. movies. Let's talk this about past May year. December because I just watched this yesterday. Oh my god! Okay, yes, yes so, I love it. I love this movie. Directed by Todd Haynes, who mm-hmm. uh, I just wrote down all the movies he's done. Velvet Underground was, I think, the most recent. Dark Waters, Carol, Far From Heaven, Safe, Mildred Pierce, the TV miniseries. He frequently works with Julianne Moore and Kate Blanchett, who have been nominated twice for Oscars for work on his films, but never won for his films, unfortunately. But anyways, Todd Haynes works with Juliet Moore a lot. So. If you were, it's on Netflix right now. If you were a child when we were children, you probably heard about the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal where Mm -hmm. she's dead now. So we can talk shit about her because she is a fucking abuser. 
Um, but it is a very weird situation where when she was 34, she's a teacher, and she sexually abused a 12 and then 13-year-old boy named Vili Faulua, uh, F-A-A, F-A-U-L-A-A-U. I'm just going to call him Vili. And then before her trial date was, or sentencing was happened, she gave birth to their first child. Also, she was married at the time with four kids. Yeah. and But her marriage supposedly was slightly abusive, maybe physically, definitely emotionally, and they were both cheating on each other constantly, supposedly. So, like, ugh, I'm not trying to defend her. I'm just saying, like, so she was married, but it was really more of the fact that she molested a child. That's really what we're mad at her about. Who cares if she cheated on her husband? But don't cheat on your husband, the fucking 12-year-old. It's disgusting. Also, like, like she knew him from, like, the time he was eight. So I'm just putting that out there. Anyways, she got released in 2004 on a plea bargain with the understanding that she wasn't allowed to contact him. But then they found him in a car with her. And he was like, yeah. oh, no, we didn't have intercourse. But they sent her back to jail. Um... Oh, sorry. It wasn't 2004. She was... But anyway, so they sent her back to jail, and she was released in 2004. And then they got married in 2005 after he petitioned the court to let her talk to him again. But about a year before she died in 2020 of cancer, um, they did legally separate. And he always told people, like, I'm not a victim, but I recently today watched an interview with them that was... Un like, they had an interview between them... And the way they had edited it made it seem a lot more favorable towards her. But the unedited version just got released. And I watched it through, a, like, a YouTube channel, commentary channel. But basically, like, you can tell that before they separated, he was starting to figure out stuff. Because, again, he was 12. He'd never dated anyone in his entire life. Um, and, like, he was apparently, allegedly in private now even though he used to publicly say I'm not a victim I married her of my own free will and we had kids together of my own free will and I pursued her but he was a child so he legally couldn't um, but he did like start to kind of figure out that it was at the very least an unhealthy relationship and you can tell she's a fucking gaslighter which is a really interesting exploration in this movie because Juliet, Julianne Moore not Juliet Moore, Julianne yes. Moore plays Gracie, who's based on Mary Kay Letourneau. And Natalie yes. Portman is playing this actress. Is it Elizabeth? What's her name? Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. yeah. And who's going to play her in a movie. And so is coming to spend time with her. And um, I was so shocked that the guy playing Villy's character, who obviously, they didn't name them. This is very loosely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau. Yes. So, like, it's, it's not... They don't share the same names. I can't remember what the husband's name is now. I'm blanking. But he's played by Charles Melton, who I've only really seen on Joe. Riverdale. Um, who is he Joe in? Joe? Oh, he he, he plays Joe. That's his Oh, Joe's the character's name. name. Sorry. Mm -hmm. But no he same. was on Riverdale as, um, shit. He, he replaced the guy that was, that left Riverdale. I can't remember the character's name. It starts with an R and I'm just blanking on it. But he um, replaced the guy that left Riverdale to go on to 13 Reasons Why. Um, but anyways, oh. so, but I didn't realize he was, like, almost our age. He's, like, in his 30s. Um, but he just yeah. has a very pretty face and 
very good. 30. Very nice body. Yeah, 32. And uh, I, the yeah, so he was the one that like, so I was talking to our friend Jonathan and I convinced mm-hmm. our friend Jonathan to watch Hi, this Jonathan. movie. And I was like, okay, like this guy holds his own with two oh, Academy Award winning actresses. He is so good. You can see He's like a big, tall guy, and you can see the child, like the way he's he stunted, so like he, yeah, it's like okay. he, he's like an awkward teenager trapped inside this body. Okay, so right? this is what I wrote, which is like just what you said. I said, although Portman and Moore are fantastic, they are. I was really impressed by Melton's performance, who I've only seen in campy teen dramas before. He does a really good job of representing a complicated and real person. Moore is great as a broken person who also gaslights to make herself feel like her life is more perfect than it appears and gaslighting a child she molested. Um, But yeah, he was really surprising to me because there's one scene, slight spoilers, where like something else happens and and, and it kind of like stirs him to start talking to her about it. He's like, you know, I don't think I... I wasn't able to make... I shouldn't have been making the decisions I made when we got together. I was a child. Yeah, he, like, says something because it's so emotionally affecting. He's like, I don't think I was old enough to be making the decisions I And the way he talks, like, because he's, like, not stuttering, but, like, struggling to say it. Not because he doesn't know what he wants to say, but because he's afraid. Because, basically, she treats him like a child until she wants to have sex with him. Or for him to be an adult. It's, like, the way she barks. Like, she's not, like, screaming at him. But the way she controls him is, like, so revealing. And that is kind of, from what I saw, what Mary Kay Letourneau did do to Villy. Because she really, like, I mean, because she, their relationship started on a very uneven footing. Like, let's see if we, we can't take out the child molestation. But even if, like... It happened in college and they were both legal you would still have an uneven footing if your teacher was your lover you know it's just but the fact that he was a fucking child and was there not supposed to be making that decision also what pisses me off is mary taylor turner's like well i didn't know women couldn't seduce children that's literally like her I'm paraphrasing, but she was like there- i knew men couldn't but i didn't know it was about women they changed it right before this happened there is like an interview and I don't know how old it is. I know Billy is like an adult adult in it. And mm-hmm. um, she's like, she's the interviewers like, you know, like talking to her. Is it the and Australian she, guy? He's like, but you know, you were in the wrong. And she's like, I wasn't in the wrong. He's like, you were, you know, and she goes, she turns to Billy. She goes, who is the boss? And he's like, what? And she's like, who's the boss? He's like, I, what are you saying? And she's like, mm-hmm. who, who's the boss? Who's the boss? He's like, this is getting weird. And like, you know, like you can tell yeah. he's so uncomfortable. He's so uncomfortable. In this moment. But she just keeps saying it. Well, and he also me, said something about like, the guy asked, would you make the same decision? And he like, kind of avoided answering it in the one I saw. But he was like, well, with my kids. Because they had kids. And that's the thing. She trapped him with having kids. Ugh. And that's we'll go on. That's Sorry. The, that's no, 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 no. It's okay. Um, that's the thing about what I love so much about this movie. And when I first watched it, and I watched it by myself, and so I was trying yeah, to tell too. Taylor, I was like, "This is," I was like, "This is one of the ones you should have watched with me," because I was like, "I really want to talk about it now." Um, but there's so 
I love, so you can have like, to me, you can have like these Oppenheimer films and stuff. And let's be real, Oppenheimer is probably going to win Best Picture this year. No, and Barbie is. I, Barbie, it's like, it's going to be between Oppenheimer and Barbie. But the big thing is Oppenheimer won like Critics' Choice well, in Golden Globes. And usually I will that's say like the, the kind of. Barbie's we, we, not we're as well written technically yes. as Oppenheimer was. Barbie was more just a fun experience. It is a great movie, but Oppenheimer it was is. better. I think a slightly better constructed movie. I mean, which one? I mean, they both like emotionally affected me in different ways. Barbie yeah. made me cry, but Oppenheimer like ending chilled me to the bone. So it's like, you know, yeah. they're, they're emotionally affecting. But what I love about this movie is a well-written layered script. Like there's so much goodness in between mm-hmm. in the subtext of this script. There's so much there. And then you got the right actors to bring it to life. Like yeah. that's the point. I I eat that I shit. I love the Ugh. kids too. The children. They are good. They were they are so, so good. good. In the movie, this couple has like an older daughter who's at college and then um twins, a boy and a girl who are about to graduate high school and like the dad smokes pot with the son and he's like, I've never even smoked pot before. And it's just, it's so sad because, like, he didn't have a childhood because he became a dad at 12. Well, how brilliant, even in the script, that Joe is the nurturer. He has the monarch butterflies, right? Like, he's the one taking care of the butterflies. And then you find out when his sister was little and she had asthma, he was the one that did the machines. And you see him, he brings his dad groceries. And Gracie's a fucking hunter. Yeah. Like, she's literally, she's literally the hunter. Yeah. Also, like, Villy had, like, eight or 18, a lot of siblings. Because his dad got married, in real life, it got remarried a lot. And so he actually ended up taking care of a lot of the kids, I think, in real life. So that is pretty accurate. I feel, it's just so, I don't, the whole movie, it's really good. And it doesn't... Yeah. You know, and, okay, I'm going to spoil the very, very ending. Spoil, 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 spoil. Because, okay, towards the end of the movie, one of um, Gracie's children from her first marriage um, tells, he wants to get a job doing, he's a musician, he wants to get a job in the music part of filmmaking. So he is trying to, like, befriend the actress, Elizabeth. And he tells her that his uncles molested his mom and that's you know explains a lot why she's so messed up in the head and so elizabeth's like i finally understand her i get why she did what she did because like it you know been conditioned in her and so she starts like thinking of it from a different angle and then something else happens but when the last scene of them together they're talking and uh gracie's like oh so you you think you understand me now and she's like i absolutely do and then she's like you know the um, the brother thing isn't real right and she's like what and she, and then she says oh what is the last quote she says she says and she's like i'm insecure a secure people person. yeah she says yeah. insecure people are so dangerous aren't they I'm secure. You make sure they yeah, know that. Yeah. And you're but like, you know what? oh, fucking villain. Because she's a fucking child but molester. You, you know she's a liar, though. Like, that's the thing. It's like, her and her son don't talk. Like, that's literally, like, even the family, like, lawyer is like, yeah, they don't talk. They don't have a good relationship. And what it is, is that she's a narcissist. She has to be in control of the situation at all times. So he probably, like, told her, he was like, yeah, I told Elizabeth. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen. And so she has to take the situation back, right? 
but she's like not secure like that's like the brilliance of it it's like you see her have that emotional breakdown about losing one of her customers and it's obvious there's something going on there and you're just like yeah yeah." and it's just like so much (laughs) it it's a lot but it's also like really good and, like, it's really well acted. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Todd Haynes movies, but I've seen parts of them. And I also, I will say, okay, the one funny thing about this, which is why I think this movie is supposed to be a melodrama, um, because in the beginning, like, there's yeah. this fucking dramatic-ass music all the time. And there was a review I read on IMDb where they're like, nothing happens in this movie. There's all this music, like, something's gonna happen, but nothing happens. But I think it's, like, the fact that, like, everything is the end of the world with Gracie, and that's why the music is so crazy well, high stakes. Because she's like, I think we're gonna need more hot dogs or something. And it's like, da 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 And you're like, What? Yeah, it's very in the funny. opening scene. Yeah, but I think also the melodrama comes from Elizabeth, who you're thinking Elizabeth is like this great actress, and then there's slowly hints throughout the movie she's not that great of an actress. Yeah, like she's a B actress. She's right? on a TV and, show that's kind of like silly, yeah. and also like she's very like voyeuristic, and she's kind of she is just using these people as a tool. Yeah. Like she goes to like in the in the movie. Instead of her being his teacher, they both worked at the same pet store. And she goes to the pet store where they were caught. um, And she, like, goes to the back room where they were caught. And she's, like, acting out, you know, making out with a child. Um, Also, like, it was really fucking weird. Like, when they were looking at the audition for, like, the little boys to play him. That's actually one of my favorite lines in the movie. Yeah, which part? Oh, the sexy part? yeah that's one of my favorite lines in a movie this past year it's like it's like none of these kids are sexy enough she's like i was like are you fucking it's so it made me want to vomit and i mean obviously the movie is saying that it's sick to cast a child yes like and in the end the person that gets cast as that character obviously is an adult but like and that's the thing it's like literally like the whole fucking movie you think she's gonna make this high class film and she's gonna get like this like fucking Academy Award winning performance and it's like a lifetime movie at the end of it. Yeah. And the thing is I actually saw the Mary Kay Eternal Lifetime movie with my mom when I was a kid. Oh, like God. So I'm like well, I'm like I remember this movie. Yeah. And they did make it uh, yeah, and the thing is I think this is a better way to look at it than telling the actual story of, like, when they got together. Because I think it's good to look at, like, what did that lead to? It led... And the thing is, like, uh, Melton's character, Joe, is just so lost in this arrested development. It's like he didn't get to finish his childhood. But he's been... But he is a good father. And he's a good husband. But he's so unfulfilled... Because his life got ruined. And it's like they still get sent like hate packages and stuff. But then it's like, you know, and it's interesting because so many different people have different viewpoints of them. Like at first it seems like, because they invite like all of their friends and everyone's like, oh my God, we love them. They're amazing. But then like she talks to like the defense lawyer and the ex-husband and they're both like, yeah, she's kind of fucking crazy. And, you know, the defense was like, yeah, she really thought she didn't do anything illegal. And anyways, yeah, she is fucking crazy. And but they're like, but I mean, she doesn't like mean to be crazy. It's a, they everyone has a different viewpoint of her. 
But, like, yeah. poor Joe is just, like, he just wants to be a good dad. And he just, yeah. but he he's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with my life once my kids are out of the house? Because he doesn't want to be stuck in that house with her. And I'm just like, get out. Get out, Joe. Hopefully he does. I think he does. I think that's the big thing with the butterflies and especially, spoiler, spoiler, him watching the kids graduate, but he's on the other side of the fence. It's like he is, it's his time to fly too. Like it's, I think it's heavily implying that like this is Joe's moment. Like he's coming to this realization and he realizes his time, like the butterflies, his time to go. That's the thing is like, there's, there's times where I was like, you know, I keep thinking of like the age of 13 and that's my youngest nephew's age. And I was just like- what in the fuck? There is nothing that remotely reminds you of a man. Like, right? I I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'll tell you this: I, if someone did that to my nephew, yeah, like I, 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 I don't get it. Like Allegedly. I, I wonder. You see in the movie how his dad is. Like his dad lives in the apartment, and he brings groceries to his dad, and they sit outside while his dad smokes, and they just don't really talk. Like, I don't know if it's a relationship like that, because I wonder how, like, his parents really handled this in real life, because if it was my child's teacher, His like, mom died when he was, like, 20. So before yeah. she got released, so they never really talked about it, I think, is what he said. Yeah. And he and his dad don't really talk. I can't remember if that was in the movie or if that's in real life, but I think his mom did die. Now, I did, it's off topic of, of the actual people, but since you were talking about Todd Haynes, who's the director of this movie, I did want to bring up, I saw Carol. I really like Carol. Like, it is a really good mm-hmm. movie. It's very, very different from this movie, but still, like, a phenomenal movie. And Kate Blanchett and Rennie Mara are both amazing in it. But I thought you'd be interested, Katie. So what actually put Todd Haynes on the map was his directorial debut. Oh, yeah. was called Superstar. Uh-huh. And it was, like, it was a biography about Karen Carpenter. But done with but Barbies. But he made done with barbies and it's on mm-hmm. youtube and the thing about this i need movie to watch is, it i it's i want to like i started watching it and it's eerie how how like you start watching it and you almost forget their dolls like mm. that quick um and my mom my mom loved the carpenters so like just watch i i i know how karen passed away and it is yeah. so heart-wrenching but yeah i thought anyone who was out there who wanted to maybe see this movie that's like a cult classic uh it is on youtube too if you guys are interested in todd Haynes' work um but you know it's really I, I, sad I too what that like billy was so like depressed when mary Kay was in prison that he like mm-hmm. was suicidal and he was struggling oh. with like alcohol abuse and depression and like the, his parents sued the school for failing to protect him and they didn't win that Which is, is now that is insane <laughs> like, yeah oh they, they let a fucking pedophile i mean it is okay here's my thing it's not your fault that you hire a pedophile if you don't know anything but it is your fault if you let that kind of thing happen. You know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be giving teachers the opportunity to molest students. You know? It's yeah. like the fucking Auburn coach. Oh, yeah. By the way, the guy who is currently coaching Auburn is allegedly also a creep because he, like, made a high school girl take off her shirt in front of him because it wasn't within school uniform policy. That should not be allowed. There shouldn't be a way for teachers to do that to children. Um, it's disgusting, and yeah, 
And that's the people who are really grooming children, not the drag queens. Oh my god. Sorry. Oh my god. No, it's okay. I, yeah. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah. It's fucked. Yeah. I'm glad Mary Kay Letourneau is fucking dead. What a cunt. She, you know what? Now, now he was by her side holding her hand as he she He was, died. but he also got all of her money afterwards. And he did legally separate in 2017 and then again in 2019, yeah. but they didn't technically, I guess, divorce. I don't know. I will say focusing on the positive for Billy is that he, um, after Mary Kay's death, he is in another relationship and he has fathered another child. So he has a third child. And then I think their oldest daughter, I don't know if it's their oldest or your youngest. I think it's their oldest that she just got pregnant. So he's about to be a grandfather too, because obviously with this movie, I think a lot of interest has kind of resurfaced. And so, like, you know, we we do know this information. So he has, you know, a life. And I, I'm really happy for him that there is life and that, you know, there are things to look forward to now. And that also leads me to believe why Joe probably is it's going to be okay for Joe at the end of the movie. Like, he is going yeah. to move on and have the life he was meant to. Because as Elizabeth points out, He's only 36 and, you yeah. know, she's like, she's like, you can leave her. There's time. And I, I do believe that is what happens at the end of the movie. Even if we don't get the scene of it, I believe that's what happens. By the way, apparently Villy has stated that he was offended that director Todd Haynes never reached out to him when filming the film. But I guess Haynes wanted to tell it about the characters and not actually like get them involved but Julianne Moore says, I'm very sorry he feels that way. I mean, Todd was always very clear when we were working on this movie. This was an original story. This was a story about characters. So that's how we looked at it. This was our document. We created the characters from the page and together. But, and Portman also was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. She's like, it's not really based on them, but it's kind of influenced on yeah, them. Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword because, like, yeah. I can understand Billy feeling that way, but I also think that, like, if they had done it, it would have been very much like a biography versus they did it. I don't think they right. wanted to muddy the waters too much. Right. And I don't mean that offensively because his story is important. It's real. It's what happened to him. But you, you at, at that point, it be, it, if they went to him, it would become his story. And that's not what they were trying to do. Like they said, they were inspired by it. I will say, uh, moving down my list, and I'll try to do it real quick. I'll, on a very, very different note, and on a very, very positive note, I did watch Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Yeah, how was it? Uh, I, I really, really liked it. Uh, it was very bittersweet because the movie takes place in 1970, and uh -huh. Margaret's 11, uh, which would have been, my mom would also have been 11 in 1970. Aww. Um. So it made me miss her a lot. Um, I would love to see how she felt about the movie. But Aww. it was really, really cool. I would love to hear what my mom had thought about, like, the costumes and the music choices. But the movie itself, it was, like, what I liked about it, it was very, like, it was coming of age. And it, I never actually read the book. I know it's a classic by Judy Bloom, And every woman I know who's read it, they loved it. It was a staple of their childhood. Um, but what I really liked is that there were stakes, but they weren't, like, like super high like into the world stakes they were like stakes that you like felt grounded in and you're like yeah, yeah i remember like when i felt this way as 11 but i have to say it real quick rachel mcadams is her mother in that movie she gives uh -huh. one of the best 
performances I've seen this year. She is so good in that movie. Oh my god, she's so, so good. But yeah, long story short, I loved it. I I thought it was a really cute movie, and I really, really liked it. Oh, that's good. I haven't seen it yet. I have very, like, mixed feelings about seeing it, because, like, I Mm -hmm. did read the book, but it's been forever ago, and Mm. I don't feel like I even really liked the book that much, even though I love other Judy Blume books, but for some reason, like, I didn't love that one as much as I liked other ones. Um, I don't remember hating it, I just don't remember loving it as much. Um, But that was, like, I was also really into, and this isn't the same author, but wait, is it? No. No, not the same author. I was really into, like, Ramona Quimby, too. Yes, Beverly Cleary. I love Beverly Cleary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, like, maybe I just wasn't ready for Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. But I did read it, but it's been a very fucking long time. And I don't remember loving it. I don't remember hating it. I don't remember having much of a feeling about it. (laughs) Which is sad, because, like, I know it's, like, a big movie that everyone... A big book that everyone really liked, but I don't know. Sometimes, you know, they just don't catch you, and that's okay. Another one I think we both probably watched, I know we both watched, was by Emerald Fennel. <laughs> and it <laughs> was Saltburn. I watched that today. It's on Amazon Prime. There's a better on the dance floor. Better you on better the dance not floor. Fuss Barry Kogan. <laughs> Kagan. Kyogen. I can never remember how to say his last name, but he... Oh, this movie. Um, I don't want to spoil it because, like, I think you should go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime because a lot of people are talking about it. And one of the reasons I started watching it (laughs) was because there was, like, a joke about um, a very milky substance drink that (laughs) someone made a cocktail version of. And I was like, what the Mm. fuck? fuck is this and then i was like i just gotta finally like and it came on amazon prime right after i saw that and i was like yep i'm gonna watch it now and but i will say the baseline of the movie is that barry kogan meets um who who plays oliva um meets um shit jacob alordi from euphoria's character felix at oxford and he's, like, very awkward and doesn't really understand how to, like, deal with the upper crusty people. But he ends up befriending Felix and going to Saltburn for the summer, which is his family, his messed up family's palatial estate. And things happen. And after that, I'm going to say spoilers, because I don't want to spoil anything else for anyone, because that's kind of what I went in with. And I did gasp no less than three times. Yep. At things yep. that happened. I can, I can guess the three times she gasped, too. <laughs> um, I I gotta say this. So, it was like... So, I had been following this movie for a bit. Because it's Emerald Fennell's yeah. follow-up to Promising Young Women. We love exactly. Promising Young Women on this podcast. And I was like... I had mentioned it to, like, our friend Jonathan. Because other... Other than Katie and then my husband, Taylor, my friend, Jonathan, is like the third person that I probably talk the most about movies with. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, uh, I was, like, telling him, I was like, yeah, it kind of re- it kind of reminds me of, like, maybe, like, a more, like, twisted version of Brideshead's Revisited. And so yeah. he had, like, he had, like, a random, like, day. And he was like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and see Saltburn. I'm going to let you know how it is after I leave. And he texted me. And he, the text message was something as follows. It was like, 
oh my god he's like i was cringing so hard i could not look away and i had to show my eyes though once or twice and then he put a smiley emoji <laughs> i was like what does this mean i was like did you like the movie did you dislike the movie he's like he's like it was really really hard and he's like you have to see it and I was like, I still, it felt cryptic, which was weird, right? Like, I was like, I don't understand these cryptic messages. Just tell me, like, what you thought about the movie. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, it makes so much more sense. Because, like, you can't really talk about this movie without, yeah. like, spoiling so the, like, fucking twists that happen in this movie. Um, yeah. I will tell you this for your enjoyment, Katie. Alamo Draft House, though, was giving out bathtub popcorn buckets. Ah, oh my god. Um, I don't know. Should we talk about some of the stuff? Or uh, Okay, so, I will say this, guys. A little bit, but spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. This is going to be like some of the most like, uh, what the fuck moments that yeah, we'll be discussing. So spoilers, so. go watch it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, so, I knew... About the bathtub thing before because of the the TikToker or reel that had come up and spoiled it for me. But, like, basically, like, there's this homoeroticism going on between Felix and... I say homoeroticism between Felix and... Um, Oliver. Oliver. Only because usually I would say, like, oh, like, they kind of like each other. Like, there's a romance blossoming. However, by the time the movie ends, I question that it was a romance at all. So that's why I'm going to say homoeroticism, because it's more of a baser instinct, if that makes sense, than like a romantic inclination. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just, well, because uh, Oliver is obviously pansexual, because he, he, you know, he like fucks his way through um see i'm like he's an equal opportunist he's an equal but opportunist. it's not romantic yeah i i don't want to i don't want to um <laughs> insult pansexual people <laughs> by saying he's pansexual but yeah he he i think he is a sociopath and an, a narcissist um because he has absolutely no care for other people's feelings and it's really yeah. sad because, like, you would think the rich, snobby guy would be an asshole. But, honestly, Felix is probably the, one of the nicest people in this movie. He genuinely... It's so heartbreaking because, you know, like, so to get into his good graces, he tells all these stories about his parents are alcoholics and his dad dies while he's at college. Oh, do you love, by the way, his dad dying and Felix's little, like, oh, let's, you know, throw the rock yeah, in the river. So and the ri yeah, so his, you're so just like. Felix's family like, has oh. this tradition of when someone dies, they write their name on a rock and throw it into the, the pond at Saltburn. And so he's like, let's, you know, let's do that for your dad. He's trying to help him grieve. And and then he, like, sets up this reunification on Oliver's birthday. And then he walks in and it's like, oh, your dad's in the garden. You didn't tell about your sisters? And the mom, like, obviously does not have addiction issues. Or if she does, she's hiding them very well. And, like, it turns out, like, he's basically just lied his way to be friends with him. And yeah. instead of being like, get the fuck out of my life, he does the nice thing and he's like, well, let's have your birthday party tonight, like, planned. 
and then I need you out of here tomorrow morning. Um, and then, oh, oh my, this okay. And that's what okay. I have to just say this real quick. Oh. So it's like these rich people are like throwing this birthday party for Oliver, and you know, like they're just like it's a Midsummer's Night Dream type theme, and they're singing yeah. Happy Birthday, and they literally don't know his name. Don't that know was his like name. one of the most fucking painful moments for me in this because movie. It's just thing like. Is- like he doesn't really connect with people really because he lies to people about his life so he can connect because he's so desperate to connect with people he whose life he wants to have and that's why like he turns out to be a bit of a villain um because he's been lying to people um whether it started out with desperation the lengths he goes to is fucking diabolical. And so, but, but, but he does have some kind of crush on Felix. I do think he has genuine attraction to Felix. I would, don't know if I would call it actual love. Um, but at some point they're sharing a bathroom and he sees Felix masturbating in his bathtub water. And before the water fully like goes down the drain, he just like laps it up. Yeah, and he's like, a little weird. Uh, and then, like, I'm like, okay, we're already drinking the cum water, which is rough. But then he licks the drain. And as someone who's like a extreme germaphobe, I was like, oh, <laughs> like it sent me because I'm just like, you're licking the inside of the drain. So, yeah, I don't really yeah, care if you want to drink someone's cum. That's up to you. you uh, and he's like, whatever, that's, but... that's your prerogative. Like, you <laughs> know, but it's just like, mom, if you're, you're licking the drain. Mom, if you're listening, sorry for just saying licking up cum. It's just that's yeah, what happens in the movie. It's like you know, like you know, but then you know he's he's a he's a vampire. So why should we? Why should oh my god! <laughs> then he gives the the sister oral while she's on her period, which is not I personally. Whatever floats your boat, personally, I kind of draw the line at blood because of like bloodborne illnesses. I just am not a fan of like exchanging those kinds of bodily fluids with people on a personal level. That's that's a me thing but i'm not gonna it's i think it's very sexy i don't know there's something about mouth and blood it's different if you're but, like using protection and it's i don't know that that's me I, think, I i didn't think anything really of the scene i was like okay that's you know that's a it's but like i will you, say it, it is sexy to like be like i don't fucking care about your period because like sometimes yeah. you don't feel very sexy in your period and if someone's like Fuck that. I still want I do. you to, like, have a good time. That is sexy. That is sexy. I, that is sexy. It's, I think it was the shot in the bathtub afterwards with the blood all over his face. I think that's... Yeah. And then he's, like, <laughs> I think that's blood the yeah. all over his mouth. And he's, like, in the bathtub. I'm just like, okay. And then he, like, him and the cousin, who the cousin, by the way, was Simon from Midsummer, one of the victims oh, in Midsummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely and forgot that. I know. I was like, why do I know this person's face? And I Googled it and I was like, oh, that's why. Because he's in Midsommar. He was the guy that got flayed and had was like oh. the wing. He had like one, the lungs out. One yes, of the coolest the, the, deaths, the eagle, honestly. The eagle. What did they call yeah. that? Something eagle. Something yeah. eagle. Yeah. I can't remember. What, but yeah. Um, and then like he and the cousin have this. Because the cousin's mom was like the wayward daughter of this fancy family and she ran off to America and then like they don't have a lot of money but then 
the the uncle is paying his uncle is paying for his college and so he's already kind of having to survive by the generosity of this family and then he sees every time like his cousin befriends someone who visits he's like i think he's like oh they're kind of getting into my turf and you know obviously it just makes him uneasy so they have this very like tumultuous relationship but then he ends up like jerking him off which was by the way foreshadowed because at some point he's like everybody wants a hand job um i was like oh he he got a hand job but it's a really weird like Anyways, and then, like, the cousin... Anyway, so that... I didn't really mind him jerking off the cousin, but it was very obvious at that point. I was like, oh, he's just fucking people to get shit. It's not like he's... Like, I started to not like him as a character. Oliver, I was like, oh, he just is doing this to get stuff. He doesn't really... Okay, because at first I thought maybe he really did like the sister a little bit. And then... He's like, oh, yeah, no, she just kind of came on to me and I gently pushed her away. And he lies to Felix because he doesn't want Felix to know he's fucking his sister. But then he stops yeah. trying to fuck her. It's really, I feel really bad for the sister. Um, what was her name? Venetia, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, cool. like, it also, off topic, but interesting vibe of the movie, They it takes place in 2006. So yeah. it's like... In the past, but not super. But all the music, I was like, oh, this is taking me back. Because at one point, it's doing uh, Fade to Pretend by MGMT. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh. Yeah. I was like, hey, I know this song. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah. And so anyways, so then all of... Uh, after Oliver gets, you know, uh, in Felix's Bad Graces, they have a fight in their hedge maze. And then... Everyone in the family slowly starts to die. Uh, it starts yeah. with Felix, and Felix presumably is overdosed on something. They're not really clear, you know, at first, but then you find out more. And then the sister, after, like, yeah, dis- like kind of was like, I don't trust you, Oliver. Why the fuck are you still here? Um, this was the part that made me gasp was I didn't really realize I thought maybe he was going to like marry the sister to get in t- legally with the family or something but instead like you see her the next morning and she is just like in a bathtub full of blood yeah. and like her face is so pale obviously she's like um died um from bleeding but I was like I don't know if I feel like she's she did that herself um, yeah. and then, then the dad basically pays him off to leave. Oh, and the cousin gets blamed for the overdose. And so the cousin's out of the picture. And then, that happened before. And then, <laughs> and then the dad pays him to leave because, like, basically the mom, who's played by Rosamund Pike won't let him leave because, like, she's clinging to him and she's not, like, moving on with her life. And then, like, he finds out the dad has died. Um, But this is, like, years later. The dad dies. And then he just happens to run into the mom and move back to Saltburn. And, like, the movie, like, it turns out he's been more or less behind most of the accidents and or deaths. 
of the family, and the movie ends with him dancing naked to murder on the dance floor in the house because he inherits it from the mom after he pulls the plug on her. I'm just like, damn, Barry. Like, he's just, like, dick flopping. Like, just no care in the world. I mean, it's a nice penis. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not saying it's not a nice penis. I'm just like, damn boy, you went there. Like he's just, I like, mean, just dancing naked for the baby. I mean, it's very memorable. It's a very memorable ending. It's what it I'm is saying. funny. Like actually, know. Scott checked out at that point. He like he stayed for like the first like minute of dancing. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go play Siege with my friend Nick. And I was like, what? You don't want to watch Barry? Because he loves Barry Coke. I was like, you want to see him dance naked? He's like, you know what? 30 seconds was honestly enough for me. I don't really need to see him dance anymore. I'm just like, I'm actually just pleasantly surprised that the the tides are turning and I'm seeing more penis in films because, I Uh, mean, after years and years and years of tits and vagina exposure, it's kind of nice to see penises in the film. I didn't see, I saw only a couple boobs and no vagina in this movie. It was mostly penises. And booties. And you could tell it's like a female director. Like, yeah. you're just like, yeah. Like, yeah. It was tastefully done. Also, it wasn't like it was just his junk flopping the whole time. He, like, turned around twice. It, it was felt mostly very, It felt very honest for the character, too, though. Oh, like, yeah. you know, it feels like something that that character would do. Um, and I was just, I was amazed at the filming. Because, you know, you watch Barry in the Banshees of Insurance. And he absolutely just breaks your heart into pieces. And uh, he's so, like, because the character he plays in Banshees is so stunted. And he's yeah. just so, like, he's, like, sweet and, like, almost too good for this world. And then Barry in this movie, there's something about his face that there, I don't know if you felt this way. So there were scenes in Saltburn where I felt like, oh, my God, he's so attractive. Like, I found him mm-hmm. very attractive. And then there was other scenes where he was just repulsive looking to me. Like, um... I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she did it. He's kind of a dark character. He's a very dark character doing some very ominous things in the killing of a sacred deer. And that's the first time I saw him in anything. And so he's always had kind of an ominous looking face to me. So watching him in Banshees was very different because he was very sympathetic. So then this movie was kind of a blending of both. Like he, he has like, he's one of those people that depending on how he's costumed and quaffed, he looks very sympathetic or very creepy. I think between his performance in Banshees last year and the sheer weirdness of this movie, I think like people are noticing him a whole lot more, which yeah. is great. And he, got, he got an Oscar nomination last year for Banshees, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah. He's been, I mean, he's been on my radar since I watched um, killing of a sacred deer. I was like, who the fuck is this fucking kid? He's terrifying. For, you know what? <laughs> I actually realized, uh, recognized him from for the first time, but it took me years to be like, oh my god, he, he that's where I knew him from. Um, he's in Chernobyl. Oh, he's the is young he? officer in Chernobyl that doesn't oh. want to shoot the dogs at first. Oh, oh, Barry. I do love Barry. But yeah, if you want to see a sexy, fucked up, weird time, it's a little, this, like, watch Saltburn. It's like a little, like, psychopathic thriller, but it's also like a little, I can't tell if it's supposed to be like, eat the rich kind of message, or just, because like, it turns out his character's not even really that poor. I mean, he's not Saltburn rich, but... It's, I don't know, or is it like, don't trust people implicitly, even if you have money, they can still get you? I don't know. The whole thing was, 
it's it's interesting though. I think I'll enjoy it more the second time I watch it because like I think I'll be able to laugh at some things whereas I wasn't really sure tone-wise. Unlike Promising Young Woman, the tone is both I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be as funny like haha at parts, but I also watched the first half of the movie by myself and then Scott walked in he's like what's going on? <laughs> I ended up watching the rest of the movie with me. And I was like, basically, this guy's fucking everybody to get in with this family. And he was like, tight. <laughs> so, I don't know. But it's good. watch it on Prime. It is really good and people are talking about it. Jacob Elordi did a really good job. But he is just a really good actor. Um, you know what, though? Is it interesting to you? Like, pretty much everyone from the cast of Euphoria is doing well. But he's the one that, like everyone's talking about because he was in priscilla as elvis but that's not even Mm. the biggest news you know that uh andrew garfield just dropped out of del toro's frankenstein and he's the frankenstein monster replacement i'm sad andrew garfield dropped out though i am too i love me andrew garfield like andrew garfield's one of my favorite actors but yeah jacob alardi is replacing andrew garfield and i was like damn like, this I think, boy is on fire right Well, I now. think his character on Euphoria, I hate him, but he's very complicated and he plays him very well as a complicated, yeah, and, fucked up character. And he is also, I have to say, he is a very, like, classically handsome man. Like, oh, he looks yeah. like something out of old Hollywood. Yeah, so. he's beautiful. Um, for sure. <sighs> Did you watch the True Detective Night Country first episode yet? I I did it. You should tell me about it, though. I won't spoil anything. I'm very excited. I mean, I liked... I did not watch season two. I I watched the first season, loved it. Season two I watched, and I was like... I watched, like, the first episode and was like, this sucks. I'm not watching any more of this. (laughs) Because everyone else had already told me it sucked. And I was like, yep, confirmed. But then I loved season three. Really loved it. Um, Because it was Mahershala Ali. Love him. Um, and a bunch of other really good actors. So I was like, I so this is the first season where they don't have um, Piccoletto, um, P- Pizzoletto, Nick Pizzoletto, okay, the creator, mm-hmm. directing or writing. He's just an executive producer. But huh, Hollywood gossip says allegedly that he basically like. Uh, fucked over everybody in the production room with um, mm. some personal issues and also like he was just being a jackass and uh, I think that's a big reason why season two kind of sucked and then like mm. uh, basically they told him like you don't need to be a part of this anymore because you are just kind of like a mess allegedly is what I've heard so um, it's a female writer director um, writing a, a, a story that is about um, missing and murdered indigenous women in Alaska, which is a very real problem. And yeah. um, it's also, I mean, murdered and missing women um, is very important to talk about because it is a huge problem, um, especially trans women and especially women of color and indigenous women in the Americas. Um, there's there are so many podcasts about it. Um, uh, I know someplace underneath did a thing on it. I think Crime Junkie also did. It's it's a huge problem. There's also a really good movie called Wind River that apparently there's going to be a second part of Wind River. 
because um, one of the actors in this series who's playing an indigenous person is going to be in the second one. That's why I was like, oh, there's a second, there's a second one to that. But that's also a really good movie about uh, murdered and missing indigenous women because it's a really big problem, and like people aren't solving them because they're indigenous women and um, and people. So, anyways, um, so basically, it's like Jodie Foster is. Um, a, a white sheriff in this tiny Alaskan town, but her children or her daughter is indigenous. Um, cause it's, I think what happened was her husband. So she's technically the stepmom to her daughter, but her husband died in a, a drunk driver, a drunk driving accident. And so she's raising his daughter and she's indigenous. And, um, she has her there's another detective played by uh the other one she's like a she's actually like a like a either a boxing or a mixed martial arts uh fighter but now she does acting kaylee i can't remember her last name i didn't write anyone's acting names down but the other woman she um is indigenous and she um has there's been this missing women woman case or not a murdered woman who was like an activist um, where, like, her tongue was ripped out and mm. she was stabbed a bunch of times and just, like, discarded. And so, like, but they never solved it. And so when um, there's a research facility in Alaska, it's like an international research facility, and all of the men that work there are all missing, like, go missing. Like, and there's, like, a ghost supernatural element where, like, mm. they hear the words, she's she's back, or... And then, like, all the power starts flickering. And the next thing you know, there's they're all missing. And the only thing left there is a severed tongue of a woman. Oh. Or who has, like, markings, like, that you would get from using fishing line, which most, a lot of indigenous people in Alaska have, like, do, the way that they tie the line. And so the other detective is going to Jodie Foster and she's like, this must be related to this case that I haven't been able to find. And John Hawks is playing a guy who used to be the sheriff, but then when all of that went down, I guess he got demoted. And his son is is another police officer who's like actually trying to do the right thing. And then he's married to... His his uh, son's, like, half indigenous because his wife's indigenous. And so, like, it's a very, like, interesting blend of... Tr- like, they're doing a really good job representing all the people that live in Alaska. And it's this, yeah. and also, it's, like, that time of year where it's, like, mo- it's like nighttime all the time. So, like... Yeah. It, it's dark. Also, what's her face? Shit, I am blanking. Fiona Shaw plays a random woman who finds some bodies of some of the missing people at the end of the first episode and they're like frozen and they look like something terrible happened and they're like just in a frozen block of flesh you know what i like already just like hearing you talk about it is like so it's taking something that's very topical and needs attention and more people should know about yes and it's blending like a supernatural horror because like anyone who watches the first season you're just like okay the first season is like one of the best film adaptations I've seen of Lovecraftian horror. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like there is, it's like something when you watch the first season, like it just sticks with you. Cause there's all this like great rooted 
familial drama going on, but then yes. there's also like something otherworldly going yes. on. And, and that's, that's what like it this sounds one like too. here. Which and they do yeah. a good job of like mixing it with indigenous culture. Like, but it seems and I am not I, I did not grow up in an indigenous tribe or anything like that. So I, I obviously don't have understanding, especially not in Alaska. Um, but it's like it does seem pretty respectful and I like the representation because I think that is a thing that people want to sweep under the rug. Especially we had the Mm -hmm. big thing with the the pipeline where, you know, a lot of indigenous tribes in America were um, protesting that. And that's like the woman who disappears, who had her tongue cut out. That's one of the things like she was protesting against some other stuff going on in the village. Not, it wasn't a pipeline, but it was like, she was protesting and she was therefore like in everyone's faces. And they're like, did, so obviously they cut out her tongue to silence her kind of thing. It, but it is a really good blend of like true crime drama and detective and supernatural horror. It's a very good blend of it because like, like the first season, there was way more supernatural elements to it with Matthew McConaughey's character. Um, and then, but the third season, it was, it seemed supernatural, but it was also about like, his the char- main character's memory loss with Mahershala Ali's character and dealing with Alzheimer's and all the different time loops that he was going through as someone with memory loss issues, you know, because you do loop sometimes with that. And so it was, it was, it seemed supernatural, but it was actually not supernatural. That makes sense. But this one yeah. seems like it might have a supernatural bent. Um, I'm not sure. It could turn out that nothing happens. I might wait to watch the rest of the series when it comes out because Scott kind of wants to binge it and he's also a really big True Detective fan. So, But I couldn't help it. I just really wanted to watch it before we talked because I was just like, yeah. ooh. Because I really like True Detective and um, I was really excited. Now, they kept saying, watch True Detective before the new season. You don't need to because they're it's an anthology series and it's like, nothing gets I think like they mention the other I remember them mentioning the first season's case in the third season but it wasn't like a big plot point like it's not like Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson just showed up randomly so you don't really need to know anything about the other seasons um so if it's something that interests you you should definitely watch it if that interests you and you want to wait, but you want to watch something in between, I would suggest watching Wind River if you can find it. Um, I think it has Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen in it, and I, I'm blanking on anyone else in the cast, but I think they're on the posters. Um, that's about like more of a, like a, uh, like a, what what do we call like America that isn't Hawaii and Alaska? Oh. You know, it, uh, mainland. <laughs> it's all mainly like, like I, I continental. That's what I meant. Continental, continental U.S. Okay. Yeah, and the continental U.S. Um, it's it's. I think it takes place in like Wyoming or uh, Montana, one of those places. I can't, I can't remember the state. It's been years since I saw the movie, but it is really good, and I I really recommend it because it is a it's a really big problem. Oh, I think the guy from Walking Dead who plays Rick's best friend John oh, what's his uh, face Shane 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 uh, yeah he's in he's in the, the origin movie and he's in the Punisher now 
He is John Beth B begin his way B Bethem, right Beth or something. Yeah, I think he's great. B. He's yeah. I think I think he's in Wind River. Anyways, it is a it's a huge problem in the US. Um, you know, women in general are the biggest victims of homicide, but especially women of color, especially indigenous women, especially trans women are incredibly yeah. affected. And so I do like that this is like, ooh, I love True Detective, and ooh, this is a creepy supernatural horror. But also, this is about something that is actually relevant. And also, it doesn't seem like anyone's cosplaying as a Native person, which is always great. Because everybody seems to be, at least from what I can tell, if they're not Alaskan Native, they are some kind of First Nations affiliation. Everyone who's playing an Indigenous person. So, I appreciate that you know thank you for pray um you know for helping us see that it's okay to just like cast indigenous people as indigenous characters you know it's okay to do that we don't have to pretend that someone's indigenous when they're very obviously not which um, reminds me i need to watch the show <laughs> reservation dogs because i've heard nothing i did but good start watching that it. it is very i've seen the first season it is really funny and really good and it is, like, I have very limited knowledge of life on a reservation. I, my sister worked for the Cherokee Nation, but it wasn't really quite a reservation, but she kind of lived there while she was working there. And I stayed, like, a, there a, f- a couple times. And uh, so I have a very limited knowledge of it, but, like, it does seem like, from what I've heard, pretty accurate. And it's very funny. And Taiko Watiti produced it. So, oh, nice. Who's also indigenous, but he's... Um, he's Aboriginal Indigenous, so from New Zealand, Australia. So different, different kind of Indigenous person, but like obviously gets the gets the gist. He's like the right kind of person to produce because he understands like the struggle of being an Indigenous person, especially like reservation life is like separated from the rest of American society in some ways, and then melded in in other ways. And I think that's the big. In the true crime area, that seems to be the biggest issue with, like, there's a, like, the law enforcement aspect is, like, you know, if if something happens on a reservation, technically it's the reservation authorities that are supposed to deal with it, but they don't always have the resources that the federal and state authorities have But then it's this whole, like, it's like when people didn't talk to each other in the 70s, like counties, and then you had serial killers running rampant. It's like, it's almost like I think some serial killers have figured that out, that if I kill, if I hunt indigenous people on reservations, (laughs) that's terrible, that like, oh, they're going to have more trouble coordinating efforts to find me. That's awful. I don't know if they're, if that's the thing, but it seems like there's a lot more missing, exploited, and murdered indigenous people going on right now. And I feel like that might be a big factor is because they don't pay attention because it's too much of a hassle in their opinion, which is not how I feel, obviously. But it's, it's so fucked up because they are still people and citizens and it doesn't matter. And technically, they were here before all of us white people were here. So. Yes. <laughs> and all of the other non-white people are only here because we enslaved people and brought them over here like assholes. So we're yep. assholes. That's, anyway, sorry. I, I'm not trying to, you know. But it, you have to admit this. 
<laughs> but Reservation Dogs is actually very funny. It's mostly funny. And but it is an an interesting look, even though it's very funny. There's a lot of like interesting features that kind of show the difference in living on a reservation versus like rural America. And I I'm glad that they kind of do that because like a lot of the kids are like doing petty crimes because basically like there's no way to earn a living there because the way that the government kind of stacks the odds against indigenous people especially those living on a reservation even though the reason people have reservations is because um we took everyone from their land and made them live in the desert so yeah sorry i went on a soapbox there and i didn't realize i was going to go on a soapbox for a while um but i will say okay so i guess we'll stop talking about something even though I think we both had a couple more, but we we got really off on the Mary Kay Letter thing. Um, but we have enough, definitely, for Ryan to get an hour out of this. So sorry, Ryan. We I went yeah. off on the exploitation of indigenous people in the Americas because it's fucked. Um, but, or I should say North America. I have no idea what it's like in Central or South America. Um, but I think next time we're going to do kind of a wintry film. It's a movie that I started watching a month ago and then got interrupted and didn't finish. So I don't know how it ends. And Britt, you haven't seen it yet, right? Mm-mm, I have not. So the movie's called Pontypool. P-O-N-T-Y-P-O-O-L. It's on Shudder right now. And it's a movie that it's kind of like a zombie movie, but the way the, the illness gets passed on is very unique. And it takes place in a radio station during, like, a winter storm in, I believe, Canada? In a tiny town called Pontypool. And I've heard buzz about this movie for a very long time. It comes up on all of these lists and stuff. So I liked the first half that I saw, but I haven't gotten to see the second half yet. So, but enough about... Sorry, I won't get on another soapbox. I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to have a very short, quick... Goodbye. Welcome to season five, I guess, of, uh, we're on season five. Ooh. And thank you for being here with us for another season. I look forward to this season. Hopefully more guests. Hopefully more fun times. Hopefully more exciting stuff coming your way. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We love you. Take care of your, everybody. Stay warm. And get your vaccines. I need to get vaccinated. Jeez. I meant to do that all Christmas and then I didn't want to get sick over Christmas. Um, or wear a mask. I've just been wearing a mask to the grocery stores because people are gross and they cough all over everything. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> but be cautious. Be careful. And take care of one another. And stay warm through this yes. crazy weather. And stay peaceful. Okay, love you. I'm going to stop talking now. Spade and neuter your pets. Uh, uh-huh. Make sure... Make sure that your tires have the correct amount of air pressure in them because they do lose pressure when it's cold outside. That's the thing. Oh, um, yeah. Use, I got to check that. Yep. Use your best judgment with traveling. And, yeah, stay warm, guys. Take care of yourselves and one another. We love you very much. We look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time. Same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, stay spoopy y'all. y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.
Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.